So I realize I'm a little bit late to get on this bandwagon, but I have been obsessed with watching TED Talks lately. Does anyone else have this issue? Just make me feel better. That was like two people. Has anyone watched a TED Talk before? Okay, okay, good. <laughs> so one of my favorite TED Talks of late is from a psychologist at Swarthmore named Barry Schwartz. He could be Jewish. And it's based on a book that he wrote called The Paradox of Choice. Does anyone, does that sound familiar to anyone, The Paradox of Choice? Nice, nice. Right? So his basic argument, for those who haven't read the book, is that we live in a Western society that assumes that the best way to maximize freedom is to maximize choice. We value individual freedom above all, and so our society keeps on moving towards giving people as much choice as possible. And he points out that this trend is actually everywhere. His first example is that when he goes to his local grocery store, there are 175 different types of salad dressings to choose from. Does that sound familiar, right? Organic, gluten-free, local, low-calorie, brand, off-brand, whatever it is. And that you would think, wow, this is awesome. We have 175 salad dressings to choose from. Like, this is capitalism, this is freedom, this should make us happy, but instead, we like stand in the aisle, staring at the 175 salad dressings, and either A, you just are so paralyzed you give up. You're like, ugh, I'll just mix some like oil and vinegar, or I'll just like buy a salad, whatever, you walk, you walk down the aisle. Or B, you make a selection, but you kind of wonder if you made the right selection. Even when you're pouring the salad dressing, you're kind of like, I could have gotten that other one, I don't know, it was a little bit more expensive. You're just always kind of debating that could have, should have moment. And his argument that is that's actually what makes us more unhappy. He did a study where people had three choices and 10 choices. And even the people who made the same choice were happier when they only had three choices with their choice than when they had 10 choices. That psychologically having more options actually makes us less satisfied with what we chose. The other example he gave that rings true for me with a lot of counseling that I've done is the way in which medicine has changed along those lines. That it used to be this kind of paternalistic, you know, the doctor would come in and say, you know what, you really need to have this surgery, right? You should do this. And today the doctor comes in and says, there's option A, B, and C. I'm gonna give you lots of literature and answer your questions and tell you the risks and rewards, and then you can choose which one you want. And when you ask the doctor, like, well, which one doctor do you think I should do? She never wants to give you an answer anymore. She's like, there's option A, there's option B and C, I'm gonna educate you, email me with questions, but it's up to you to decide. So his ultimate argument is that choice leads more to paralysis than liberation. That rather than making us happy, it leaves us feeling less satisfied with our choices. It's a little bit like the dating world to give another parallel. We move a lot, we make friends in different places, we're on OkCupid, and we fall into this trap of opportunity cost. If I date this person who seems okay, there's always that risk that I'm missing out on the potential perfect partner that's gotta be out there, who's probably more attractive and more successful, who gets my jokes more, whatever it is, you always have that opportunity cost because there seems to be this unbelievable amount of potential partners out there that electronically or physically somehow you're gonna come across in your life. And Schwartz argues that we fooled ourselves into thinking that maximum choice is good, when in essence, it may actually leave us more anxious than we were to begin with. So, not surprisingly, my fascination is with how this applies to religion and to Judaism in particular. 
And there's a moment in the TED Talk that keeps on kind of getting to me. He shows two cartoons on a PowerPoint. The first cartoon is Moses. It's very, you know, very appropriate with Shavuot. Is Moses standing in front of the Israelites holding the Ten Commandments. And the caption reads, well, actually they are written in stone. Right? So the idea is like, is it really written in stone? Actually, these, these are written in stone. It's not so flexible. Right? And then in the second cartoon, there's just a blank set of tablets with like a hammer and a nail. And the caption reads, the Ten Commandments do-it-yourself kit. So his point is, and it's a little bit superficial, but you get the idea that in some ways, Jewish life could be like cartoon number one, right? Here's the law. It's not really set in stone, it evolves, but we at least like the idea that we've accepted it, right? And that it has a kind of fixed nature to it that we've said yes to. Versus option B, which is this kind of do-it-yourself, what feels comfortable, write your own script type of Judaism, that, you know, if we had to simplify, this may be more like an Orthodox lifestyle, and this be more kind of like a liberal Bay Area lifestyle, right? It's simplified, but you get the idea of very different ways of approaching Jewish law and Jewish life. And I think the real tension that the two cartoons bring up is the question of how do you have the right amount of choice? Some choice is really liberating. It's not that all choice is bad. The ability to choose a partner of the same sex, the ability to even choose your gender, the ability to choose whatever career you want, to live in whatever neighborhood, to belong to any club. Some of the freedom of choice that we've received in the last decades are really good. But at the same time, how do we have enough choice so don't we, we don't feel oppressed or repressed? There's not this totalitarian, authoritarian tradition that's really weighing on us. But at the same time, we don't have so much choice that we're left as just a series of individuals, dissatisfied, paralyzed, and kind of disconnected from each other. So you're all here tonight. So I'm going to make the assumption, which may not be fair, that albeit it's an attractive option, you're not living an orthodox lifestyle. And that may be because it's not enough choice for you, right? That you need a little bit more options. But at the same time, maybe Schwartz's ideas resonate, you, resonate with you to a certain extent. Maybe you've had moments of feeling completely overwhelmed or constantly dissatisfied with the seemingly infinite choices before you. Where should I order in tonight? What do I really want to be when I grow up? Should I break up with this guy or give it one more month? Right? Lots of, lots of little and big decisions that we're constantly having to make. So, so to take it kind of back to the Jewish piece, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, right, a famous religious leader and philosopher of the 20th century, I think he actually was way before Schwartz in identifying this problem. But from a philosophical point of view, he said that Americans are suffering from what he called the insecurity of freedom. He said that Judaism is actually the first religion to really believe in the freedom of choice. It dares to think that freedom and not necessity is the source of all being. But at the same time that it embraces this idea of freedom of choice, it also recognizes that there's a danger, a kind of deep insecurity that that choice can bring. He writes, as a free being, the Jew must accept an enormous responsibility. The first thing a Jew is told is, you can't just let yourself go. Carry the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. The Jew is told to bear loads of responsibility to abhor self-complacency and to enjoy freedom of choice. 
He's given life and death, good and evil, and is urged to choose, to discriminate. Yet freedom is not the ability to choose and to act, but the ability to love and to will. That the predominant feature of Jewish teaching throughout the ages is a sense of constant obligation. So Heschel's solution to Schwartz's problem is mitzvot, commandments. A Jewish sense that we are obligated to our community and to God, that we can't just make decisions based on what we want in the moment, but that we have to consider ourselves in the context of a bigger story. That it's not just us, but us in connection to our family, to our people, to even the cosmos that's important. I want to recognize that Americans, particularly younger Americans, are kind of iffy about obligation in general, really about commitment in general. We like to move around, to try different things, different foods, different careers. We're not always crazy about people telling us what to do or making us feel super guilty. And so it's really complicated, this issue. And I don't want you to leave tonight and say, the rabbi told us to let Judaism make decisions for us so we can be happier. Because I don't, I don't think that's what I'm saying. What I'm trying to get at, and it may take a couple of sermons, so keep on coming back because I'm working on it, is that some obligation, some sense of structure and boundaries can be good for us. That shifting some of our decision-making in life, whether it's about small stuff like what we're having for dinner, or big stuff like what are the rituals of our wedding, or how do we mourn a loved one that we've lost? Or how do we make ethical decisions at work and in our relationships? That shifting them from just as individuals to us as part of the Jewish tradition can be comforting, can even be freeing, but I think it's a different kind of freedom. It's a kind of freedom that comes from having a friend that you really trust order for you at a restaurant. Or a local guide plan your itinerary so you don't have to look online for a million weeks before your vacation. It's the freedom of sharing responsibility, of not having to make all the right choices all on your own all the time. My goal is more to start a conversation both in our community and just to trigger something in you when you go home tonight. How are we willing to change the way that we make choices? What does a liberal Jewish sense of obligation look and feel like? Do we feel obligated to, if anything, do we feel obligated to something within our Jewish community and Jewish tradition that would limit a choice that we'd make or the options that are available to us? Who or what can tell us, you know, you have to do this or no, you can't really do that. My hunch is that we've swung too far in one direction towards this sense of kind of absolute choice, those 175 salad dressings that don't maybe ultimately make us happy and yet I don't want us to swing back to a place where Judaism has to dictate in a stone-like way everything that we do without us being able to be true to ourselves and kind of who we are and who we've discovered ourselves to be. And that somewhere, some magic middle point that we've yet to discover, there's some compromise whereby there's some choices that we're willing to give up because we've made commitments and we've taken on obligations to our community and to something bigger than ourselves but not so much so that the choice feels hollow. So hopefully, <laughs> so hopefully you'll help me think through that both for this community and the Jewish community at large. 